Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Today is a big day on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. I am your host, Adam Kipnis. It's a big day because we are truly international. My guest today is live all the way from London, so we've got an Arizona-London connection. Here on the Entrepreneur's MBA, it's business lessons that you just can't learn in school. My focus is how to make money, how to get more clients without spending a ton of money on marketing or advertising. Definitely download my book at freebookfromadam.com. You'll get eight lessons that you can implement right now to drive more clients. And once you have more clients and more revenue and your business begins to grow, that's when you can invest in people like my guest today, Deepak Shukla from PearlLemon.com. He is an SEO specialist. I uh, really appreciate you being here, Deepak. Thanks for the time. Well, Adam, I'm, I'm really excited to be here uh, on you know, your podcast, The Entrepreneur's MBA. And um, yeah, no, uh, thank you for the uh, wonderful introduction and the plug. I really appreciate that. <laughs> you got it. You can also go to Deepak, that's D-E-E-P-A-K, Shukla, S-H-U-K-L-A.com, and there's a bunch of information about him and his business there as well. Uh, where I want to start is there's a fascinating story here, ultramarathons and Ironmans and a bunch of things that um, I can't even watch on TV, let alone do myself. <laughs> but before we get there, I want to go back to before you started your business in August of 2016, what were you doing um, at that time yeah. before you even kicked off this business? Great question, Adam. I I made an application to the British Special Forces. Um, it was um, uh, an 18 kind of month program. That's what happens. Um, I'm, I'm differently to um, the SEALs in the US, when you apply to the Special Forces in the UK, you can't actually apply as a civilian. You have to apply to the Special Forces Reserves. Um, and it's quite a notable, a notable difference. So what that meant is the program is laid out over a series of weekends, weeknights, and some weeks away over the course of 18 months. So I was um, about six to maybe eight months into that process um, and really was, I guess, a little bit lost in terms of where I was headed in my life. So that's why I thought, well, maybe, you know, in, in, in the military, I'd find some sense of uh, structure. Um, I actually discovered, uh, in hindsight, it's really not the right decision, that I abhor structure and abhor regime. And whilst I liked and enjoyed the physical side of it, I didn't cope well with the lack of autonomy that I had. And ultimately, that meant I withdrew from the process. So that took me up to um, the summer of 2016. And I wound up back at my mum's place, Adam. Um, I ran out of money. Um, the hopes that my family had had for, for me, especially as kind of a British Indian, that um, you get parents that are migrants that talk about their children quite proudly. And they thought, that, OK, cool, I'm going to go and be this uh, special forces guy. And I was like, well, no, I'm not going to do that either. So they were kind of a bit bemused. But of course, they took me in. And um, it was there that, you know, I, I kind of had to make a decision as to what I do with, well, at least the next, maybe the rest of my life, so to speak. And I thought that, well, I need to I need to do something. And, and that's where kind of the story that I guess leads me on to, to your podcast today began. Yeah, and it would. 
And so when you were in that time, obviously it's, it's a tough time um, when what was your dream becomes um, either not your dream or you want to go in a different direction. But did, did you say, I got to go get a job or was starting a business yeah. the, the obvious choice for you? Absolutely. Good question. I, um, you know what? The truth is, at that time I was 30. I'm, I'm about to turn 32. And the longest time I'd had and held down a job um, was, I think, six months, Adam. And, and it was a good job, actually. So it's not the case that it was, you know, I, I started life as a consultant, a tax consultant at Deloitte when I was 21. And I was like an art student at school, right? I studied English literature. I went to Deloitte and I, I discovered I hated tax. And um, at that time, I didn't really have the tools or really a complete understanding of what even entrepreneurship was. What I did discover at that time was that I was not very good with structure and really kind of the sense of almost paying your dues. Um, it didn't really serve me well. So where I was lacking in knowledge, I reverted back to the one skill that I had developed, you know, uh, for a long time was that I was good at reading <laughs> because of my degree. So I thought, well, you know, I, I, I need to go and make my own money. And um, I really at that time went to Amazon and I this is we're talking 2000 and um, maybe eight, nine around that period. I, I, I looked up the 10 best business books on Amazon. I literally ordered all of the secondhand copies and then I spent about three months reading them all. And, and that was really um, a big, a big turning point in terms of kind of bridging uh, a, a gap that I had in my knowledge and, and that process of, okay, I don't know how to do this, but the answer's out there somewhere. And if I read enough about that answer, something's going to click has been something I think that over the years has, has, has has been really powerful for me in terms of my process. And I, broadly speaking, did the same thing when I went back to my mom's place. I knew I had some kind of predisposition towards marketing. I spent a lot of my 20s, as you said, doing some of those things with the endurance sports. And I would funded that through really small business, if you will. I ran a tutoring agency. I, I ran a recording studio. And, and the most I ever made, I think, maybe was like $10,000, $15,000 uh, a month. And that was running a tutoring agency, and I really didn't enjoy that, to be honest with you. I didn't feel like my legacy at that time, nothing to do with the industry, was to, to, to run a tutoring agency. So that was a business I kind of shut down via literally just disconnecting the mobile phone <laughs> that all my clients would call me on. So, so, so that um, really um, combination of experiences led me to deciding, well, Deepak, what you have learned and seem to have some level of predisposition, predisposition for is marketing because, you know, I was good at getting things off the ground, not so good at finishing them. So I thought, well, let me go and try and do this for others, a.k.a. marketing, and, and, and eventually, um, as we'll naturally go on to talk about, uh, one particular area of marketing, which was uh, SEO. So, so you, you, you read some books, you did some traveling, you did your endurance sports, you went to the military, but you had that, 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 that entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial fire or that, that self-starter in, in your psyche, in your body the entire time. So, so you're at home, you're, you're at your mom's, and you don't know what you're going to do, but that sparked up again, and you decided to start a marketing agency. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and at that time, I think that I've got a, you know, I had a friend, um, still a good friend of mine, Nick, and uh, he was already running a successful um, web development company called Per Digital, actually. So Pearl Lemon, um, if people were ever to Google it or look me up, 
was originally called Per Traffic um, because it was going to be uh, the second business of my friend. And he at that time approached me because he knew I'd kind of announced, hey, guys, I'm going to start a marketing agency. This is what it's called, cucumber.co. And then I immediately got a de-index from Google, actually, because um, I, I thought I'd syndicated, but actually I duplicated a lot of content and Google de-indexed me. I remember it was quite kind of a, a funny time. And that also, in some ways, kind of um, prefaces some of the learnings in terms of bad SEO that I learned quite quickly. Um, so my, my friend Nick said, okay, let's join forces. He had an infrastructure in terms of clients and, and, and companies. What was different about us uh, and ultimately is a big part in the reason why it's now Pearl Lemon and not Pearl Traffic was that we had a different vision of doing business. I had spent, of course, my 20s um, working or living kind of on my own terms, let's say, working always from home. And uh, also, most typically not meeting the clients that I would service, whether that was directly or through, you know, like maybe one of my subcontractors, like, you know, a tutor when I was running the tutoring agency. And his business, which is successful and still runs, was different and is different. You know, he had an office, he had employees, and his company is centered around, you know, we are all London-based we service clients based in London. We meet our clients face to face. And I was like, man, this is a very different way of doing business. And um, that ultimately meant that the tools that we would use to execute were also very different. I, I wanted to get to a place where people would trust me and send me, you know, if someone's going to send me a couple of thousand dollars a month, let's say, and they've not met me, I, I recognize that I'd need to develop certain things in respect of trust. And, and it ultimately meant that, you know, I, I went on a, a very different journey. So six months into our business, we discovered that I'd got nothing from his pipeline, from his infrastructure in terms of referrals, because I'd walk into the room, so to speak, with some of his, his clients. And they looked at me and I think they saw an alien in terms of, you know, my experiences, my background and the way I thought about doing business. I was like, okay, let's do a follow up Skype. Let's, you know, I'll ping you a Google Drive link perhaps. And, and that didn't really jive with them. Um, so that didn't work out, and and I then really realised that I needed to, I needed to find clients all by myself, and and that led me on to um, you know a, a, a whole different journey when I figured out that okay I'm I'm not going to convert these guys, and to be honest with you I don't want to convert these guys because I, I don't want to bandy about from meeting room to meeting room and have kind of long complex sales processes. So 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 that's um kind of the, the, the beginnings of, of what Pearl Lemon is today, if you like. That, that's fascinating that you, you, you started down a path, which I think a lot of folks that are listening have started down a path or uh, were on a path, and then they had to make a big pivot in their business because the market told them or their sales told them or, or they figured they had to go in a different direction. So, so you make that pivot to a more um, online um, virtual model but yeah. um, as we were talking about earlier, you didn't get your perfect clients right away in that model, did you? <laughs> no, absolutely. So, so you know, um, Nick, um, you know, Nick, Nick had clients who were spending, you know, you know, five, ten, fifteen thousand pounds per month, and you know, digital marketing was something that he didn't offer as a kind of course of his business, but it was the new company that we were working with, and and you know, we, we uh, I, I, as we quickly discussed, uh, as we discussed. I was like, I don't want to be in this room. And that, I think, was maybe not obvious, but certainly I didn't follow up in the way that they were used to. So, you know, it was, it was like, you know, uh, an Englishman speaking to someone who, you know, doesn't speak, we're speaking different languages. 
And one of the things that I did learn from my kind of application to the military was that, you know, we all, no one cares about where you came from or what you've done. Everybody leaves their ego at the door and you kind of, you know, eat mud, so to speak, in terms of what you need to do to, to kind of win. And, you know, I, I was a couple of months in. We, we maybe got some revenue from a couple of the clients that I did work on, but they weren't ongoing projects. And it was like creating these big, big-ass plans that I, I, I didn't really like any of it, and we weren't doing very well. So that was when I took to scrapping, to be honest with you, Adam. And when I say scrapping, to give you kind of some specifics, I was like, okay, let, let me list on a classified ad site. Gumtree, we call it here in the UK. You guys, of course, have Craigslist. Or, or Angie's, I think it is. So, you know, that was the UK equivalent. You know, I, I stuck an ad up on there. I, I, I put a profile up on Upwork, you know, the freelancing platform. You know, Nick at yep. that time told me, Deepak, these are the bottom of the barrel. This is the people that scrap and scrape. You're not going to find any real clients there. And, and, and again, I, I, I think it would have been easy then to say, oh, yes, I agree. At the moment in time when, as you know, typically sometimes people happen, you dip your toe in the water, you get a negative result, and therefore you assume that that platform is the problem. And we wrap ourselves up in these, um, you know, kind of uh, paradigms, you know, oh, you know, exactly what Nick had said. And, and you know, the, the, the act of leaving my ego at the door told me that, well, okay, so that ad I put up didn't work. Let me try reconfiguring that ad like about 15 different times. And, and I began, to be honest with you, very quickly to discover that actually there are some people with money as well as people that don't have any money predominantly. And, and that was a great education for me because then I was getting into these conversations where people were digital natives, which was great because it meant it was someone who was more in line with, okay, I want to do stuff online because I found you online. So I get the online work. So we don't need to meet. It's like kind of checkpoint one. The issue, of course, was then money. But, you know, the whole ego at the door thing told me that, well, Deepak, you know, you could surround yourself in a wall of ego saying, oh, the client didn't have budget. So or, you know, let's book in a strategy call and you know, strategy calls like one hundred dollars. And, you know, this dude searching on a classified ad site. So, you know, it's, it's, it's like, well, he's not going to pay one hundred dollars at that time. It's like, OK, great. Let's do a strategy call and a strategy call. You know, let's do a 15 minute free call. And let's do a strategy call for like thirty dollars or something. And, and people will look at that and say, well, that, that, that doesn't. That's not going to lead anywhere, Deepak, is it? But what it did teach me, which was, has been invaluable down the line, is it taught me the, the importance of um, how to reframe your offer, how to adapt based upon you know, a person's tonal response in their voice about what their tone tells you that they're not saying that they want to say, about how to negotiate, about how to lead with um, you know, a kind of tripwire, if you will, and then offer an upsell on the $20 call because then they, you know, have the room to see the value. And, and those lessons were fantastic for me as I went up kind of the ladder, if you will, um, of both those sites because I began to understand how to market myself perhaps more effectively on a listing site as I began to see who were the people regularly posting ads. What is it about their ad that keeps them coming back to the platform if they're posting regularly, they probably are making money. How can I adapt with that in line? And therefore, how can I continually have the supply of people that, you know, largely speaking, didn't have budget, but what they were giving me was an amazing education. And then, you know, every, every, every one in 10 person actually would have some money. And, and, and that was um, a process that I then began to try and replicate on every other platform that I could find. 
That's so interesting. I mean, there, there was a lot there, so many good nuggets that I want to sort of unpack a little bit. So the first yeah. one is, so you started with, um, and I think I've got a series of questions here. The, the first one is you started with, all right, let me, let me do work for whatever I can get, 20 bucks here, 50 bucks there, cheap stuff on cheap platforms. And, yep. and you got a few clients, but it, but it wasn't fulfilling and, and they couldn't pay for the actual value, correct? Correct. Absolutely correct. And, and then, um, but you said to yourself, I got to check my ego at the door and I've got to do the, the, the mud work, I think you call it, or the grunt work we say here in yep. the States yep. in order to pay my dues. And then once I pay my dues, then the big money will come. But that didn't really happen right away, did it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so no, it didn't. Um, it, it gave me a skill set, I think, like in, in kind of an accelerated amount of time because everybody wants something kind of for nothing, so to speak. I mean, it wasn't nothing, right? It was 20 bucks. And then maybe some of the other guys would be like, right, Deepak, I've got like 300 bucks a month. And, and what was really interesting about that was I was on this platform and I thought, okay, how can I... Uh, then I began to... So we talked about kind of reframing not only was it then useful to kind of reframe perhaps my offer, it was also interesting to reframe the opportunity. What I began to then ask myself, instead of saying, Deepak, $300, what, what, you know, it's not a lot of money, but you know, work as hard as you can. The question I began to ask myself was, Deepak, how can you make a significant profit from $300? How can you scale if you were just to make $300? And that led me to going back onto the same platform and begin to hire subcontract to people that were on the same platform that perhaps weren't advertising successfully but were operationally robust because you know there's lots of seo guys for example that write terrible emails right we get cold emailed all the time by someone typically often outsourced from you know my native country india saying we'd offer, offer you seo services and what for example a lot of people miss in those instances is that person operationally might be very good but they're not in the job of email marketing so i i, I kind of took that same approach and i I'll be honest with you, Adam, like I went to, so the second platform I listed on, for example, is Upwork, and I went back onto Upwork, and I began to found, find freelancers who charge like 4 or $5 per hour, and I began to run the numbers, and I thought, right, if, you know, for, for three hours of their good work, for example, on Instagram, because I was scrapping and I'd do anything, I, I can still make this work, and I can still make a 10x return, because I'm spending 30 bucks, they pay 300 and then what became really powerful was once I began to understand that system, even though client value would increase, my, my operational cost would still remain really, really low. And, and that was huge over time because I still, to this day, like Rebecca, she's a project manager at Pearl Lemon. She started with me at $4 an hour, Adam. She was with me for the first seven months when I started kind of that digital movement or that transition away from, you know, the world of kind of traditional infrastructure. And, you know, she's now earning $2,000 a month because, of course, I can afford to pay her more. But she was still with me when I was earning or charging, rather, um, maybe three to $4,000 a month. So that was huge. And I didn't really appreciate that until, as you said, I left my ego at the door and I began to reframe the question. And I thought, well, how can I make a profit from, you know, this 300 bucks this guy's got? That, and, and I want to talk about what you just said there because you went to do the work on Upwork or, or one of the other sites, and what yep. you noticed is it was going to be a lot of time for not a lot of money. And rather than saying, 
all right, I've got to find a new channel or I've got to find different clients or I've got to find more money. You said, I know what people are willing to pay. Can I find someone who can do this work on my behalf and I can still make a profit? And so you were able to find, you were able to use Upwork to get jobs and then outsource those same jobs and make a spread in the middle, correct? Exactly, exactly. And then what happened at that stage was when you, when you find people who can operationally deliver at that, that level, it frees up your time. So the, the, the classic issue that, you know, a lot of, let's say, freelancers, as I really was at that time, struggle with is a transition as to, well, Deepak, uh, you know, Adam, I know I need to find a high-value client, but I'm so, wow, that's, uh, Adam, give me one second. I need to turn off that thing in the background. Bear with me. This is the beauty of doing live, unedited broadcasts. When uh, there's noise in the background, we go with it uh, because you can't uh, track down everyone from London. All right, he's back. Hey, Deepak sorry, is back. I do apologize. I apologize. That's okay. I didn't, didn't realize construction would be happening. I've just uh, turned something off. So, um, yeah, brilliant. So, um, what, what, the, what, what, Adam, what that gave me then was the ability to free up my time because then it meant that I could actually figure out, well, okay, I've got a consistent pipeline of people that can't pay me very much. I want to keep that pipeline there because it's money and I still need to pay my bills and I want to move out of my mom's place. But now I have more time to figure out the other part of it. And, and, and that operational process as I scaled didn't change, but what it did give me was the time to figure out the broader question, which was, well, how can I go and find clients of higher value? That That's, very cool. So everyone listening, I want you to key on what he just said there. So he, he had clients, but he didn't have time. So Deepak found a way to outsource the work to keep his clients, but also free up his time. So he converted $300 a month into the equivalent of, say, $150 a month but now he had all of his time back and now you could go look for higher value clients. When you went to find those clients, obviously you probably went in different places um, than you were before. How did you determine those and where did you start? Good question. Great question. Um, So um, I, I I began by asking myself, where do, where do people live online that have more money? That was the first thing. And I thought, well, Gumtree, you know, your vote, let's just say Craigslist threes. Craigslist is kind of, let's call it the bottom of the barrel. And I thought, well, LinkedIn must be a place where people have more money. And, and then began what I call the process of massive experimentation. So I think that one of the things um, that, that, again, you know, fortunately served me well was I didn't, I guess I didn't, I didn't, I was wary of spending too much time overthinking it. I thought, okay, let's try LinkedIn because LinkedIn, you know, has people that have money because it's a professional platform. That literally was the extent of the conversation that I had with myself. And then 10 minutes later, I'd be like, okay, well, I understand that I needed to upgrade my kind of profile, if you will, on Gumtree. So let me look at what I need to do to fill out my profile on LinkedIn. And at that time, I think you get that ability to have like an all-star profile, if you will. So the very first thing I did was let me update all of the information on my resume on, on LinkedIn. Let me, you know, go and ask, you know, you can get recommendations, for example, on LinkedIn. And I just focused on kind of ticking boxes, 
which was kind of making sure that my LinkedIn profile was, was filled out. I then went out and, you know, got anyone and everyone. And this is the beautiful thing, actually, about, for example, reputation management, as I've discovered has become more powerful over time. What is really great about uh, a client who's going to pay you 300 bucks a month is that they're very happy also to leave you a review online. And when you work within, for example, bigger infrastructure, getting reviews is a pain in the ass because people are busy, they've got their stuff going on. But when it's someone who's trying to start, you know, they're maybe e-commerce store, they've done a Shopify install, and they've got $300 to spend on Instagram or their entire marketing, they're very happy to immediately leave a review. So I went back to my original clients. I got them to write me fantastic reviews. I got them to post reviews on LinkedIn. And then I thought, ah, well, maybe I should post reviews also like on, on, on my Google reviews. Maybe I can get them to post reviews on my Trustpilot. So if you were to look again, you know, Deepak Shukla and Pearl Lemon up today, you'll discover that we're, we're, we're one of, I, I don't know if this is a fact, but I'm the, we're the only SEO agency that, we've, that I've ever seen that has had, um, you know, we've got 60 reviews on Google. And again, those clients who, you know, I charge nothing proved very powerful in, when, in, in me helping doing then LinkedIn outreach because a marketing manager, a bigger firm, when I approach them on LinkedIn, would look at, my, look at my LinkedIn profile, look at my agency and be like, well, this guy's got 32 reviews and he's got on LinkedIn, he's got 15 recommendations on Google. So it make, it make them much more receptive to me actually approaching them. So I've gone on to generate, you know, I still today, probably from my revenue, I generate, I think, around $15,000 a month solely from inbound leads that have come on LinkedIn. And it was those early days and that work that I put in. If you were to go on my LinkedIn profile right now, I've got 63 recommendations, but no one else has that. And I thank all of those cheap, let's call cheap, or let's call it budget-constrained clients because they were the people that really have helped propel me into getting some of the bigger guys on LinkedIn. So, so your early clients in the early days, one, allowed you to learn, it allowed you to scale, it allowed you to pay your bills, and they became some of your raving fans. And they probably, I'm assuming, were able to pay you more because you were able to drive more business for them. Exactly. So some of the clients, um, some of the clients exactly stayed on. As my prices increases, uh, increased and kind of the value that I could offer increased, some of them, some of them also fell off because they were inherently kind of cash-strapped. Um, so there was that kind of whole mixture that was happening. And one of the things that kind of happened is, is, is I, I think that one of the things that kind of never, ne never left me, if you will, um, was that I, I treated everything like it be a, almost like a dogfight. So when I went onto LinkedIn, I was like, right, I need to massively improve my profile. Right, I need to make recommendations. Right, you know, everybody else is maybe writing content. So maybe I should start writing content. Let me try writing content. And, and I, 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 was, I, was, I was careful to make sure I didn't spend too much time perhaps thinking about it, but I'd, I'd have a real good crack at something for like 30 days, 60 days, and then I'd decide based upon the data what worked, and I'd also seek for ways that I could automate things, whether it was through, you know, like a buffer third-party share or doing this or doing that, and, 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 and that process um, on that platform was very helpful, and, and also I went on to begin getting lead requests from, for example, Trustpilot. People went directly on Trustpilot, little did, I, little did I know, and were like, okay, we've been burnt by one or two SEO agencies, but we found you guys on Trustpilot because that's where we go to. You've got great reviews, so we decided to reach out to you. So uh, a lot of things began to kind of compound and, and, and kind of all work together. And I began to find, of course, clients had better budgets, and, 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 and it's the same kind of thing. I, I was still, to some degree, I hadn't yet turned off, for example, ads on Gumtree. 
because they were so cheap. They cost me like $30 to run. I kind of figured out a way to scale it. So I was getting really good practice also at having sales conversations, because if you can convince someone who's got a total of $100 to spend $70 of their budget on marketing, it makes it much easier to convince someone who's got $15,000 to spend $5,000 of their budget on marketing, because, you know, it's a 70% of my total rent money, dude, or it's, you know, you know, 33% of our actual marketing budget. So, so it's, 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 it's been incredible. I think that I really attribute those early days to being a huge, huge part of, you know, any of these moderate success that I've had now. And, and, and your moderate success. So, so he's being a, a little bit, um, a little bit sort of coy in that he's, he's doing 20 to $25,000 a month and working out of a coffee shop and totally remote. It's uh, a great business that you've built, Deepak. And, and I think you said something there that is um, truly fascinating. And the thing that many entrepreneurs miss, and it's not what you do that makes the business. That's, it's wonderful that you do SEO and, and, and you've helped people on the marketing side. I do uh, marketing strategy and help people make money. But what we really do as entrepreneurs is convert on sales calls. Yeah, yeah. Because One, if, if we can't close business, it doesn't matter how great we are at our services. Um, our services will take care of themselves if we can get people to do business with us. And, and you did it through learning, through trial and error, through practice. But what skills did you employ in order to continue to get better and better? Brilliant. No, absolutely. It, it, it's a great question. And I think that that's one of the things you're, you're I mean, Adam, you're so right. Like pipeline was, 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 was huge. And I thought that, well, I, I can afford to screw up if I have another person to talk to. And if I'm fearful of an individual sales call going bad, what that really tells me is that my pipeline isn't robust enough to support a sales call going bad, as, as sometimes they often do. So as the conversations evolved, I realized that I hadn't done enough learning in line with the sales skill set, if you will. I thought, well, Deepak, actually, you're ultimately in sales. And I think that, you know, we've become a, a competent SEO agency, really as a consequence of being better at closing, because then you get many more cracks at the whip, if you will, much like, you know, in the US, you know, a lot of the guys that go through sales get through the second or third time, because you understand the process, you learn, you screw up, you, you get better, you, you progress and you improve, and then you can become kind of the best operator out there. And it's been, a, it's been to, it, it, certainly in the early days, you know, I, I didn't know what I didn't know, and I thought I had a good handle of it. You go into different operating environments and you get better. And equally with sales, it was the same process. And, and, I, and I went back to what I've done historically. I thought I need, to, I need to get better at sales because these guys have money, and I didn't, that sales call didn't go well. Again, I left my ego at the door. And I assume that I'm the problem. It's not because, oh, it's not the right time for them or, oh, you know, we're considering it Deepak or, or kind of any of the other, let's call it BS in terms of the excuses. I just assumed that I was the problem. And, and that was very helpful because then I took to, to YouTube. I'd rip YouTube audios to MP3s. I, I, I'd search like sale, live sales training calls, all of them less than like 10 minutes, five minutes. I'd convert them into MP3s and, and I would literally play them while I was on a train or I'd play them when I was going out for a run or I'd play them whenever and wherever I could. And it was the compound effect of all of the little nuggets that you get and then trying one new thing and trying another new thing and, and, and learning that, well, agree, you know, Grant Cardone, for example, is a good one who says, even if you are completely in opposition to what someone says, just agree with them 
or say you totally understand and then work your way back around. And that was something that I hadn't done before, for example. And that one thing was extremely helpful in some of in me recognizing my flaws. So, 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 so again, it was like kind of aggressive learning, assuming that I can improve and assuming that everything was my own fault. And, and that continues, I think, to help me today, even when um, clients sometimes or people make unreasonable requests. I, I assume it's acceptable because I, I, I think about the win tomorrow. Um, I think that, well, what I learned today in delivering this Google Analytics setup, which is perhaps more akin to uh, a web development thing, if they want to set up conversion goals or they're incorrectly set up, is going to help me with my client tomorrow. So I'll accept it. I'll, I'll, I'll do the grunt work or I'll eat mud such that I can provide better ROI moving forward and, again, begin to charge more. So it's been that kind of continuous loop of, of, of learning, accepting or assuming it's my fault and then trying to seek out new answers or new ways to achieve the same result. So, so continuous learning and, and believing or I think it's believing that if a, if a client asks for something that isn't in your wheelhouse, it's not because they're being unreasonable. It's because you didn't present what you did properly, which is a really interesting way to think about what we do every day is if we're very clear in what we're telling our clients, they won't ask us for things that are unreasonable because we, we set it up properly. And you said you continuously learn. So you learn from that. You learn from experience. You said you started with books. Um, do you also have um, coaches and mentors in your life that you bounce these ideas off of? Or are you still learning just from trial and error and from, from day-to-day business? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. I, so I have an accountability coach. So, Carl, um, how that works is that we set three to ten goals per week, which will be basically tasks that I'm fearful of. Anything that I'm fearful of is a goal. It's a task that I have to complete. It has to be um, easily identifiable uh, and uh, tangible in terms of the evidence I can provide. For any goal that I don't complete, like we have a kind of contractual relationship. Carl is not my friend. He's a coach. You know, I'll, I have to send him 100 bucks per goal that I don't complete. Um, the, the ultimate end aim is that I'm at least sending him a couple of hundred bucks a month because if I'm not failing, it means I'm not growing. So that process I've, has been going for like about five months now, and that has been pivotal in me making five to fifteen to $25,000 leaps because it has forced me to accept that there's things that I'm fearful of. And, and the way that I kind of measure my learning is if I have that feeling in my stomach where I get, you know, where, where, where your stomach crawls or you get like kind of the wrong kind of butterflies, I'm like, ah, oh, I probably need to do that unless getting into the accountability list. That is the one coach that I've stuck by, and that's still the thing that we do together today. <laughs> that's really interesting. So, so you want to write him checks because it means not that you didn't do the work, but that you put something out there that was a, a, a stretch goal, if you will, or something that, that pushed you beyond your comfort zone. Um, and so th- that brings me back to what we were talking about a little bit, is that you've done ultramarathons and um, Ironmans, and you're doing Ironman, I think, in Copenhagen next month. Um, yeah. How, and, and for those of us that have never run 100 miles in our lives, let alone at one time, or that aren't going to do an Ironman, we've all done things that were way beyond what we thought. Um, yeah. And yeah. so that's sort of a long-winded way to say, how do you use that experience and overcoming going from 20 miles to 50 miles to 100 miles um, in your business life? 
Oh, absolutely. It's that has been huge in it makes you relentless, Adam. When you have gone up a mountain, I think there was a run that I did in Madeira. It's an archipelago, like a bunch of islands basically off off Portugal and they're, they're all formerly volcanic active islands. So you do 7.1 kilometers of elevation gain across, um, across 120 kilometers. So I was ultimately running for 27 hours in the end because the pace was, the, the, the hills were so bad. And when you, when, you, when you come out of stuff like that, ultimately, it, 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 makes, it makes other things just seem easier. It makes getting up on a Sunday, for example, because you need to figure things out easier. It makes you less fearful of screwing up a sales call because you just kind of, you, 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 you know, I think that um, David Goggins talks about it a lot on YouTube. I follow, follow, follow him. He, he's kind of an ex-seal and lots of incredible things. And I think that the, 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 the process of, of building or, or expanding your tolerance for pain and, and suffering, it, it makes you, I think, formidable in, in, in the workplace because then it's just, it's just a lot easier to maintain a higher tempo over time. You know, we all will say to others that we spend 10 hours a day of work, but, but the actual amount of purposeful work that I can do, I think um, it's it definitely like, it, it, that has helped me make my purposeful work above average because I'm able to suspend the fact that my brain's in pain and I can continue kind of pushing through because of what I've experienced out on the, out on the roads. And, and you're, you're, you're right, it's, it's proven really powerful with the work that I do today. That's awesome. And, and I, I, I think that's where we'll wrap up. It's just so fascinating, everything that you've been through and, and where you just led us there is going back to what maybe some pain in your life, maybe something you thought was difficult that you overcame, yeah. even if it was something small, even if it was getting your first job or moving or um, learning to ride a bike. It's something that you overcame. And when you're starting your business or when you're having a struggle in your business, if you think back to that thing you overcame before, no matter how big or small, now you know that you can overcome. I think it's a fascinating way to end. I really appreciate your story and your time, Deepak. Thanks so much for being here today. Uh, Adam, thank you so much. Um, it, it's been a real pleasure. I, 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 yeah, I loved it. Thank you, Matt. You're welcome. And, and to everyone out there, uh, please go to pearllemon.com and deepakshukla.com. Uh, check out his, his stuff. There's some more interesting stories in there that we didn't really dig into. Um, and definitely check him out. And thanks for being my first international guest. Look forward to talking to you more. Uh, Adam, I, 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 it was my pleasure, and, and I'm excited to continue the conversation offline, dude. Very cool. Talk soon, and thanks, everyone. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>